Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Shades of Blue Soccer Show. Um, this is Sad, and I believe on the line I have Jeff. You there? Yep. Hello. How are you tonight, Jeff? Oh, I'm dealing with a little bit of cold, but other than that, I'm okay. All right. We uh, we have a basically an all comet or at least all indoor soccer show tonight with uh, Jeff, who intimately familiar with the comets. And uh, a little bit later on, we'll have uh, team captain Vahid Asipur calling in. At least that's the plan at the moment. Vahid's uh, coaching and doing some other stuff tonight, so we got to make sure he, you know, hopefully does call in. Let's just start right off the bat. It's been a pretty good season so far for the comments, wouldn't you say, Jeff? Oh, you know, 11-0 was pretty darn good, I would say. It's best, uh, best start in franchise history. And... Uh, uh, I believe the best start of any Kansas City sports franchise. Yeah, I, I, I believe so too. That's uh, and there's been very few uh, indoor teams I think that have accomplished anything like that. Probably San Diego for a couple of years. Yeah, they uh, they pride themselves on having a pretty long win streak, but uh, you know they're they're finding it a little difficult uh, this year in. In the PASL, a little bit more difficult than they're used to. Uh, a little stronger competition than what they faced before. Yeah, in the in the past, I mean, and not to slight them too much, but they were the really big fish in the kind of smallish pond, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was actually more niceful and more nice and more tactful than I usually would, right? Yeah, well, you know, and and they are a good team. I mean, we saw here when they were uh, playing. In Independence, they they gave the comments a good run for the money, but in the end, uh, the, the talent level wins out, um, and and the comments are just a step above. Well, in, in some um, negative on San Diego, they followed it up with a loss in St. Louis right after that, also, and St. Louis had just lost in Chicago the night before, so it was. Um, it wasn't like either team had, didn't have to travel. St. Louis was at home, obviously, but San Diego was supposed to be the better team, and they didn't quite make it, did they? Yeah. What's the uh, old saying on any given day? <laughs> Very true. Um, so far, I mean, San Diego did give them some challenge, the Comets. Um, it, like you said, the talent level won out. Um, so far, the toughest games have been in Milwaukee, I would say. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think, you know, looking at the schedule, I think the Comets just went through their toughest part of the schedule. I mean, San Diego gave them a good game. Uh, as far as the PASL teams, they were probably the most ready, uh, or at least one of the most ready to step up to the next level, and, and they gave the Comets a good game. And then to go on three days rest uh, and play an afternoon game in Milwaukee, uh, that, was a, that was a big test for the Comets. Um, you know, I, I said it in, in the post game story. You know, any win is big. Any win in Milwaukee is huge. 
uh, with everything that the Comets had going on. I mean, that was just a monumental win for them. It, not without a wee bit of controversy, though. Um, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you, you want to run down that little wee bit of controversy? Yeah, just to recap it, uh, your comments went, uh, went out to a four-goal four, four goal lead uh, in the fourth quarter and looked to be cruising. Uh, and then it's just Milwaukee. You can't you can't let down on them. And they got some momentum, uh, and they, they scored four straight goals, tied it up at six apiece. And then uh, the Comets stepped up, Brian Perez. Uh, he hit one to, to put the Comets up 7-6 uh, with just a few minutes left to go. And with uh, 5.2 seconds remaining, uh, Alan uh, Metzigui, uh got called for his, his uh, for a foul that sent him to the penalty box. Uh, so now the comments are down, down a player. Mike Lookingland comes in for Milwaukee to play sixth attacker, and he sets up the indoor soccer equivalent of the Hail Mary with a free kick just past the yellow line and the rest of his team lining up in the Comets' uh, goal box. And uh, the controversy started with the kick. The kick was uh, – the clock is supposed to start with the kick. Uh, video evidence shows that it did not. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough to get a good clock on it, but uh could be up to 1.2, 1.3 seconds before the clock actually started. It's all ping-pong around in the goal box, and it goes in with 0.2 seconds left on the clock, which is important, uh, like I said, because the clock did not start on time. Uh, so that's controversy enough. Then, uh, you know, from the comment standpoint and, and from Coach Ananasi, the game's over because uh, uh, the clock should have expired, goal shouldn't have counted. He takes his team off the field. Um, referees didn't agree. They, uh, they told the team to come back and asked Mako not to. <laughs> so, uh, nice ejection. I believe that might be his first uh, ever ejection in his career, whether a coach or a player. Uh, he's normally pretty mild-mannered. Um, so then the comments come back on the field. They finish the point two seconds. They play a sudden death overtime, and uh, it's looking like it's going to go down to the end of overtime uh, with the game still tied. And uh, Danny Waltman, who is not afraid to join the attack, uh, goes all the way down the line and gets his pocket picked. Ball bounces to Milwaukee's Bato, who just sets up a nice lob straight for the goal, uh, a wide-open goal. Uh, and it looks like it's going in. Milwaukee's going to win. John Sosa does what any defender would have done in that situation. He goes back and he just swats it out. So there's a controversy there. <laughs> And then, of course, the MASL rules state that intentional handball in the box is a two-minute blue pe- blue card penalty for the defender and a shootout attempt uh, for Milwaukee. So lots of people thought that it should have been a PK and, uh, uh, and that Sosa should have been red carded, but it's it's just not in the rules. Uh, you know, whether or not it should be a rule, it's, that's up for debate at another time, but Within the rules, the call was correct. And, of course, uh, LSO missed the shootout. Uh, Danny Waltman did a great job to break him down, and so it went to a three-round uh, shootout, and the Comets uh, prevailed actually in the fourth round. 
with uh, Leo Gibson hitting his fourth attempt or his his shot on the fourth attempt and LSO missing his. So Comets remain undefeated. Milwaukee loses at home, and uh, the the message boards go crazy. <laughs> uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Big Soccer, pretty much uh, every Way fan that had access to social media criticized the Comets, mm-hmm. and pretty much most of the Comets fans came back and said, "Yeah, huh, tough. We won." Yeah. But I, it was a, it was an exciting end. It was very controversial, but uh, you know, looking back at the game, I watched it. Uh, I watched it full once this week, and watched bits and pieces of it here and there. Uh, the comments they had three open goal opportunities that they missed uh, that they could have put it away, um, and, and then allowing four straight goals in the fourth quarter. Uh, that's just that's not something you can do against Milwaukee. You just can't relax. Uh, and then on the other flip side, uh, Milwaukee uh, hit some posts, uh, and Danny Walton spectacular on uh, several shootout attempts and uh, several one-on-one attempts. So it, it could have gone either way earlier in the game, uh, but now we got something to to remember for years to come. Yeah, no. and like you said, basically both teams could have won it in another fashion and it would have never gotten down to the controversy, or the controversy would have mattered very little if it, if it even came up. Um, so back to the Sosa handball, like you said, it's not in the rule book. I mean, I, I do agree that it should be in the rule book, that it should be a red card and a PK, um, but it's not. And apparently a lot of fans haven't read that rule, rule book yet where they think that the referee should just be able to do whatever they want. Well, and, and let's face it, we all think we're referees. I know I'm yelling at at the referees all the time, and and I've been known to go back and be like, oh, whoops, you know. But uh, but the, yeah, the point of the matter is that um, and they rules say that an intentional handball is just a blue card. So you know, and I, I imagine that's something they'll revisit uh, after the season. But uh, I was talking to Ron Corey, who is a senior official in this league, and and has been in several. Uh, of the previous leagues, and he says that even in the old days, it was never a red card. Uh, so it, it is what it is, and, and the comments play by the rules. Now, uh, I I talked to Sosa this week, um, actually last week, uh, about that and that that incident, and he said he fully expected to get a red card and it'd be a PK but at least it gave his team a chance. He turned around and looked at the ref and expected it to be a red card and went a blue. Ooh, okay, good, and kept walking. Um, so it's it, it, obviously not everybody understands, you know, had read the rules anyway. I mean, even Sosa expected it to be a red card. but it, So it probably will be something that changed in the offseason or maybe even sooner, you never know. Um, here's one bit of news. I don't know that it's been out there yet because I'm actually going to write that up hopefully later tonight. But and Anofsky was handed down a uh, three-game suspension from the league. First one was the uh, game in St. Louis that he's already served, but the team is appealing the other two. So that may or may not actually come through. Okay. Um, you know, initial reports or rumors that I had heard come down with that, that it would be a three-game suspension. Uh, I think that's a little harsh. 
uh, you know, I liken it to the fact, okay, so in Andonovsky's eyes, the game is over. He took his team off the field. It's the same as if two people run in uh, on the ball and they collide. You get up. The first thing you do as a player is you put the ball down and you kick it. You're just assuming that you're going to receive the the uh, the free kick. Uh, okay. And and sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong, and sometimes honestly, you'll convince the referee you're right. And that's basically the way I like it. Uh, you know, it, it, I know Vlaco on a personal level. Level, I know he didn't say anything too terrible. Uh, from what I understand, he just told the referees that they robbed his players of a good victory. Um, so, you know, three games seems a little harsh to me. Yeah, well, and and th- this is part of the little controversy here that really hasn't come out yet, but uh, my understanding is on the game report, of course, you, we can't see the official game report, but my understanding is on the game report, the refs wrote that uh, he used profanity at him, and uh, you've known Vlaco for quite a while, and have you ever heard him actually use a swear word? Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, English is not his first language. I'm not even sure if he knows any swear words uh, in English. He might have said something in Macedonia, and, and, uh, and they just assumed it was foul language. But, yeah, I've never heard him use any kind of language like that. Well, it was kind of funny. When I was talking to him, I said, you know, I don't think I've ever heard you say anything worse than dang. And he goes, no, 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 you've never heard me say that. <laughs> He's very adamant. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, yeah. I I wasn't really saying that I had heard him say that. I just like saying I've never heard him say anything worse than that that I can remember. And he was very adamant. He doesn't even say dang. But then again, like you said, is sometimes the words he uses may not be the exact meaning that they would have had in Macedonian. Yeah, you know, the things that he preaches to his players, uh, the skills, the tactics, those are very important to him. But uh, the thing that he tells his players is, is they have to remember they're putting on an event uh, where there's families watching. Uh, so they have to – I mean, if you get down on the field, you will rarely hear language coming from the players even. Uh, now, I'm not saying that they don't use language any other time, but when they're <laughs> talking and barking orders on the field, uh, it's it's clean, family-friendly entertainment. Yeah, the, uh, you do occasionally hear it from a few of the players. I mean, don't get me wrong, they are human males. Uh, but I've also yeah. heard him get after one of the players that he saw using profanity, and especially near uh, the fans. Yes. He's very conscious of the team's image. Absolutely. Um Hopefully we'll have uh, Vahid on here and uh, sometime soon. So whatever conversation we're having when he joins, I'll interrupt it. But uh, in, until then, do you? How do you see the the second half of the season going? I mean, they're eleven and zero. There's nine more games. Uh, probably a couple more tough challenges, but a lot of uh, I don't want to say lesser teams, but teams that are maybe not as challenging as the Milwaukee, for example. Yeah, I mean the key for the comments uh, down the stretch. It's really it's it's to not get bored and not to get hurt. Uh, you know, part of what made that, that last stretch of three games tough is that they went into Milwaukee without Ramon Palmer and without Max Absolute uh, and then lost Cody Andrews uh, in the game. Uh, left him a little shorthanded for St. Louis. Probably made that game a little more difficult than it could have been or should have been. 
so so you know having this week getting healthy uh and and frankly playing Tulsa they could probably rest those guys uh, another week uh but the key is you know stay healthy and stay on top of their games uh the trip down to Mexico is going to be tough just because it's something new uh Monterey is a very good team uh, I haven't got to watch too many of their games this year, but uh, game reports I've read and, and the, the film that I have seen on them, they're a pretty good team. But I'm looking at their schedule right now, and I'll, I'll mark Monterey down as a question mark, but I honestly don't see another loss coming to this team. Yeah, other than the possibility of Monterey. Right. Um, now, the comments actually uh, just added a player this week, uh, Josh Gardner, former Sporting Kansas City player, uh, a couple other MLS teams. Um, I know you probably haven't got to see him as much as I have, actually, uh, when he was with Sporting. He's kind of uh, – with Sporting, he was a uh, speedy uh, defender and winger. Uh, actually, and it looks like we have Vahid calling in, so hold on a second. Vahid, is that you? Hey, Todd, how are you? I am good. Uh, we got Jeff here on the line with us. So hey, V. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Doing well, man. Appreciate you calling in, man. Um, no, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. This, uh, so we, we were just Jeff talking, talking about, about... We were talking about Milwaukee game a little bit and kind of doing a season review. Uh, what are your thoughts on the season so far? Um... Season's going well for us, you know. Uh, I feel like the competition of the league isn't too good, you know. Um, there were some teams from the other league. For example, you have your Chicago, you have your uh, San Diego, um, S- S- Dallas, you know, that aren't too bad, um, that, you know, can hang with the old MISL teams and now the MASL league. But, um Season's going well for the comments for us individually, but mm-hmm. I feel like the competition across the board isn't uh, isn't where it has to be. Do you think it's a case of they they just haven't they don't know what they didn't know before, and you think it's going to get better or uh, no? You, you know, know what I think? At a, I, I really think that it's up to the owners to spend money to bring quality soccer players in. You know, if it's a professional league, there can't be teams practicing three times a week or players making um, not enough, you know, uh, that's okay if you want to do that, but you're not going to have quality. In order to have a quality program and a quality team, um, it's simple. You know, you have to pay for quality. You, like everyone says, you pay for what you get. And um, if you look at the top teams in the league, not only the MASL, but in the past MISL, it's a reason, you know, they have good players. In order to get good players, you have to spend money. Well, and I think you need mm-hmm. a commitment from the players, too. Uh, I mean, if we look at at, at your your team, uh, you, you, Leo, Harris, uh, Danny, you guys have been there from the beginning. It was not pretty all the time in the very beginning, but uh, you guys have stuck through it, and you got the fans have been behind you 100% the whole way, and now... I mean, I dare to say you guys are the best team in the league, hands down. You know, I agree with you. Experience helps out a lot. You know, if you look at uh, 
if you look at the team, this is the fifth season. Fourth season, we won the championship. But if you look at the team the first three years, um, besides myself, Leo, Danny, uh, it was all unexperienced first-year player, indoor players, second-year players. Now they've been around the game for three or four years. You know, it uh, it helps out a lot, you know. So you have a valid point. Experience and keeping the core team together helps out a lot. You guys do have such a good mix of, right now, veterans, you know, been around for a long time, guys who are in their third or fourth year, and even, you know, guys who are in their first and second year now. Is that, you know, having that wide variety kind of builds for the future? Yeah, um, you know, in order for a team to be successful, there's a lot of things that have to happen. One of them has to be chemistry on and off the field. One of them has to be... um, like I said, chemistry on the field is very key. You know, you need your hard-nosed defenders that are going to put in their body for a tackle. You need someone that's going to be a very technical player. You need a goal scorer. You need someone that's going to uh, uh, stop the goal from going in, you know. So you, you need so many different things for a team to be successful. And if you look at our team, if you put those lists on a piece of paper, we can check those boxes off one by one. Uh, hard-nosed defender Brian Harris? No. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, even Alan Matingo as well, you know, he's a rookie player, but uh, the way he's playing and the goals and statistically what he's putting up, it's almost like he's a veteran in the league, you know. But, yeah, Brian Harris definitely, like, uh, hard-nosed, you know, will put his head through the wall for you. Can Can Brian Harris score a goal with closer than 25 feet out? Uh, it seems all um, of his goals have been. I hope he doesn't, because then he would be out of position. <laughs> but you know, um, I'm sure he can. You know, I'm sure he can. But again, uh, maybe if he's closer than 25 yards, 25 feet or yards, he's not. Uh, he's not in the right position. <laughs> well, you know, Danny almost scored a goal uh, a couple games ago. He might have been a little bit out of position there too. Yeah, I agree, but you know what? Um, there's a time to take a risk during a game, you know? And uh, you're right. You bring up a great point, but if you're beating a team by three or four goals, you know, it's uh, it might be a time for him to come up and take a risk. Um, that's a little bit too risky for me, you know? <laughs> I would like him to stay in the goal, but you're right. I mean, he's he's been trying to score a goal since... I've been with the comments for the last five years, you know, and he comes really close. He'll hit that crossbar. He'll hit the post, you know, but the ball has not, I don't think, gone in. But one of these days, hopefully it does. I do remember he did throw a game, uh, ball in against Chicago. Uh, that's right. In 2011, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have a good memory. <laughs> uh, if I remember correctly, he got teed out by his dad for that also. <laughs> What did you say? I didn't hear you. Sorry. I said, uh, if I remember correctly, Danny got chewed out by his dad for uh, throwing that goal in. Told him that oh, it was, did he uh, really? Not to yeah. Because oh. uh, I think you guys were yeah. well up on Chicago at the point, and I don't think it was an intended goal as much as it was. he was just launching it downfield to get it out. Oh, okay, okay. You guys <laughs> both have better memories than I do, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people remember and some people play the game. Yeah, that's right. I'd rather you be playing the game. <laughs> well, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> so, Hello. before you got on, we were talking a little bit about the Milwaukee game. 
It was a little bit controversial, maybe, you think? You know, um, I think it's controversial, yes. You know, uh, of course, uh, game went our way. You know, they had their chances. We had our chances. Unfortunately, the nature of the beast, one team wins, one team loses. But um, as much as I like it that we won, I, I don't know, you know, a hand box, a handball in the box, uh, let's play fair is fair. Should be a shoot. It shouldn't be a shootout. It should be a penalty shot. You know. Um, Who are you just talking rule, about? In, in the rule book, it does say that it's a shootout. You know, so the rest did follow what the rules say. Yeah, and we were just talking about that. Whether or not it get, that gets revisited or not in the off season, then the rule gets changed. Uh, the game was played by the rules. But let's go back before that. Talk us through what happened right at the very end of regulation. Uh, when they scored that goal? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you got a chance to look at the look at the game, but if you put a stopwatch from when the ball was to when the clock started going, it's 1.3 seconds afterwards, you know? So, uh-huh. uh, I mean, if this happens, if it were to happen in the NBA, a shot clock doesn't go off, or in the NHL, the timer... It would it just wouldn't be allowed, you know. The goal would not count. But unfortunately, um, I don't know why it's it's okay for the ball to be kicked, you know, and 1.3 seconds later for the clock on the game clock to be started, you know, and then the goal goes in and there's point. I'm not exactly sure something seconds on the clock. So that means when the goal was scored, if the clock was started at the right moment, the game would have been done and the goal wouldn't have counted. You know? Yeah. By my clock, it was about 1.2, 1.3 seconds delay between yeah. kick and the 1.3, that's right. Yeah. So then, so the goal goes in, and then uh, and then the team leaves the field. Who Was that that was Blocker's call to, to pull the team? Yeah, I think we needed a moment to, like, uh, clean our heads. You know what I mean? Um, leave the field, you know, really, like uh, – understand what's really happening, you know what I mean? And I think that was the best thing for us to do because at one point in the game we're up 6-2. Um, for them to come back and buy at 6-6 and for their sixth goal to not really be, uh, should not be allowed, uh, you know, at that point everyone's tempers are rising. So I think the best thing that we could have done was leave the field, regrouped, you know, got in the locker room, uh, really comprehend what just happened to us, and said to ourselves, you know what, we have to go finish this game off. You know, this is our game, and we went out there and just did our thing. And you did. You guys played well. Was there ever anybody who came and said, if you guys will come back out, there's a forfeit or any anything uh, this, of that matter? There were. There were talks about forfeit, you know, like uh, if we don't go out there um, – there might be a forfeit, but, you know, at that point, some of us were like, so be it. We'd rather forfeit knowing that we know that they didn't do the right thing than go out there and uh, know that they cheated to be where they are, you know? And then there were some players to say, no, let's go out there, let's go out there. And at the end of the day, it's the coach's call, and coach said, you know what, we got to get out there. So once he said it, we all went out. Well, that's good. So it was Rockford's yeah. call for you guys to go back out. 
Yeah, he he's the he's the one that said you guys should go out there, and we did well. Well, that's good. Uh, but he was, it was my understanding too that when that that last few seconds when uh, they called the penalty on Allen, and he got the right. blue card for his fourth penalty, it was actually only his third foul. Yeah, even and I talked to Ryan, I talked to Ryan Figich about that, and you're absolutely right. It was only his third foul, but the refs gave him um, his fourth foul, which put us down. You know, so I I died. I forgot about that point. So not only were was it supposed to be five on five. It was supposed to be five. They gave us a five on four, plus they started the clock late. So, I mean, uh, it's just not good. You know, that's cheating. That's that's cheating in every aspect of the game. Well, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit with you. But he, that's when you say cheating, we're, we're not saying that they're cheating in order to get Milwaukee to win. We're saying that they basically screwed up, right? Or are you thinking they're trying to help Milwaukee at this point? Uh, I don't know. You know what? I'll let you figure that out. <laughs> you've, you've been around long enough, you know. Um, I'll, I'll let you answer your own question. I think that's, that's a good way of uh, him saying he's just not going to answer right. that one. Right. Uh, right. So well, then what, the, uh, the game ends. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Sorry, Todd. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to say, so the game ends, you guys get the win, uh, you go down to St. Louis. Um, how do you prepare for St. Louis now after basically playing uh, a game and a half, all that emotion put into it, and now you're down, uh, you're not just Max and and uh, Ramon, but you're also down Cody. And a head coach. And a head coach. So how, um, how do you prepare yourselves? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I, you know, we all have a job to do, and uh, with the with certain players out, or uh, this team doesn't revolve around one or two players. So, or um, with one, two, three players out, we all still have to go out there and do the job. You know, I'll I'll be honest with you. Were we tired? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Very tired legs, uh, fatigue. You know travel situation, but, um, you know, it's part of the game, you know, we got to go out there and do our job, you know, and game, uh, it wasn't our prettiest game, but the job got done in St. Louis. That's true. So how are we looking for Sunday? Are we a little healthier or Saturday? I'm sorry. Saturday. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think those guys still need a, uh, maybe a, just a little bit of time to heal, but that uh, that gives us a lot of rest from St. Louis game to Saturday for uh, for the guys that played in Milwaukee and St. Louis to recover, to get their muscles back um, fully recovered. Um, so we're still going to miss those key players, but uh, the good thing is that we'll have our coach back on the bench with us, and secondly, the guys that will play will be ready and not uh, – fatigue like we were in the St. Louis game. But, uh, we've actually heard that the, the you may not have your coach back on the bench with you at this point. They, the league handed down a two more game suspension to Waco, but it's being appealed, so it's a maybe one way or the other. Yeah, you know, we can, uh, that's right. We can only keep our fingers crossed that uh, they'll reconsider 
um, his suspension, especially since with all the circumstances with the clock and the fouls on Allen, you know. So hopefully they'll reconsider their their decision. But I, I'm just being positive in saying that he will be on the bench, hopefully. Yeah, and well, in addition to that, even if he's not, that you will have a, a new player possibly in the lineup with you this weekend too. Yeah, that's right. There's uh, Josh Gardner that played for Sporting, you know. He's been practicing with us all week. He's been there before with us. The team's familiar with him. I think he's going to be a good addition to the team. So that will help us out as well because we have some men down due to injuries. Another good body will uh, definitely bring bring an impact to the team. I know, I know he's been practicing with you uh, some earlier in the year and then this week, but uh, it, for any player coming from outdoor, no matter how good they are, it takes an adjustment to uh, – to be ready for, you know, really truly understanding the indoor game. How how has he been, and is that uh, something that, you know, you guys can help him speed along that adjustment? You know, Josh isn't a young soccer player. He is 32 years old, so he's experienced and wise. And, yes, you're right, there is a transition phase from outdoor to indoor, but uh, he's technically very sound, so that will help him out. And he's uh, he's a very smart player. So that will help him out as well. But um, it will take, you know, uh, it will take a few games, maybe near the end of the season, for him to really understand the little details for indoor soccer because at the end of the day, it's two different sports, and it doesn't matter how good you are at outdoor. To come to indoor, there's little things that you just don't do in outdoor that you're going to do, and um, it just takes nothing but experience to learn those things. And... uh, you can't rush experience. It's just a matter of time. He'll get them. And, and it, from my experience watching guys, you know, the, the practice with the team, they, they can look really good in practice, but it's that, that game where they really learn the real true difference and the, the, the true speed of the play. Yeah, that that's game. right. I mean, if, if you think you're looking at practice and the speed looks good, the speed is, I always say, times three in the games, you know? So um, what looks great in practice uh has to be multiplied by three, that's the speed, you know? And for a new player, that's just going to take time and uh, for him to catch that speed of play because there's no really time like there is an outdoor for for you to jog on the field during your shift, you know? You're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, and you're off. So he has to just get used to the, the shifts as well and how everything works. So shifting your focus to Saturday... Um, you know, what do you see in Tulsa? What do you have to do? Um, you know, well, what do we need? To, what are we going to see out of the IEC this weekend? Uh, I mean, I think it'll be a good game. You know, at the end of the day, look at their record. Look at our record. Um, you know, that being said, soccer is a crazy game. You've, we've all seen us teams that aren't doing too well upset teams that are doing really well. You know, our uh, if you're coming out to the game, I would say you will see a lot of goals, you know, um, and hopefully we can just get through this game, get another W and be 12-0. Well, it seems like this game would be a, a, it will be a good opportunity if it goes the way we would anticipate it to, uh, to give guys like Josh and uh, Kyle um, a chance to get a lot more playing time than they maybe would have against a Milwaukee or somebody like that. 
Yeah, I agree, especially with Josh being his first game. I think this would this is a great opportunity. I mean, this is the best team he could come and have his first game against, you know. Um, nothing against Tulsa, but the record shows that they're not doing too well this season. And uh, for Josh to step in as a new signing, this is his ideal situation. And Kyle to be uh, only a few games ahead of him, you know, it just uh, – it just gives those guys better opportunity and more playing time. Actually, talking about Kyle, can you can you tell the fans a little bit about him? Maybe um, I, I I watched practice today, and after practice, he and Leo ran through a bunch of drills and skills and workout. Uh, he was like shadowing Leo, trying to learn exactly how Leo got so good. Is that is that something that Kyle does a lot, or? Uh, you know, Kyle, like, like I said, with Josh, he's a new indoor player, but he's, um, he's older and he's played professional and he's a little bit wiser. Kyle is a new indoor player, but he's a young player too. So, um, it's going to take Kyle a little bit more time, I believe, than Josh to understand the game. But when he does, um, I think he'll be really good and him shadowing certain veterans and, uh, he's always asking me questions and stuff will only help the process be a little bit quicker for him. I'm just sitting here picturing, uh, you know, Leo Gibson with Kyle Speed. That's just enough to make any other team cry. Uh, it's just not well, fair. Then, then you would see that player on Manchester United. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you could give Leo in about another foot and a half, you'd see him on any team in the world. Right. Um, or... <laughs> or we can give Leo longer legs. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm okay with Leo and and you. Uh, you just right where you guys are. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, right. so I, I would agree with I'm that. Looking at, I'm looking at Tulsa right now. Uh, you know, you and Leo combined have 73 points, just the two of you. Whereas Tulsa, uh, as a team, uh, I think they have 40. Let me get my stats correct here. They have 64 points. So the two of you are outscoring that entire team. Is it tough to to really get up for a game like this? Yeah, you know what? I'll be honest with you guys. Um, personally, I've had a hard time this whole season staying motivated during all of our games, you know. With the competition not being uh, at the highest level, it's very hard to be motivated. Um but, again, it's our job. You know, we're professionals. And um, as hard as it is, we have to go out there and do our job. But, yeah, it, I'll be honest, it's very hard. So how do you stay motivated? Well, like I said, it's a job. You know, we have to show up, we have to do the work, and we got to leave. You know, um, it is what it is. This is the, Everyone choose their careers. This is our career we chose. It's no different than someone waking up and doing a nine-to-five. They have to show up and do their job. That's what we have to do. It doesn't matter who we're playing and when we're playing. It's our job, so we have to do it. All right. Um, and when we talked earlier today, I didn't know if, uh, how much time you had to be on with us, uh, Vahid, so I don't know if you still got a few more minutes or if you need to Yeah, go, no or... problem. I could I could take another question or two. That's no problem. Cool. Um, for the rest of the season, um, we, I know Monterey is going to be that challenge, probably. Uh, you know, it's a team that you haven't seen, but 
you, you, you just talked about how it's been hard to stay motivated because one of the more interesting things is being seeing new teams and different styles and different coaches and different players. Sorry, I didn't hear you, Todd. You kind of cut out after Monterey. Uh, uh, sorry about that. I just said is uh, one of the more interesting things about this season been, you know, getting to see new teams, new coaches, new playing styles, new arenas. Yeah, you know, that's always um, that's always good, you know, like uh, the MISL was, I think, eight teams, you know, we played every team um, five to six times, you know, after the fourth time, we knew every player's family member's name, you know, so having a lot of new teams in the league, um, in the aspect of traveling, seeing new arenas, going to new destinations, has definitely been um has definitely been good, you know. Just uh I wish like I said the quality would stay up there with all these experiences. Yeah. Any more questions for the uh team captain, Jeff? Uh I guess I do have one more question. Uh you know, and it's it's relevant with Blanco having this this game and possibly missing a couple others. Uh you know, last year you were named captain and a player coach. So uh, when Blanco's not there, uh, do do you and Gordon both step up, or, or how does what's the dynamics on the bench there? You know, um, even though Blanco's not on the bench, um, we still uh, we we still have a guideline from him we have to follow. You know, and of course when he's not there. Um, myself and G take over more of that role, you know? But at the end of the day, uh, I'm playing. I'm on the field. So more than I do, uh, G does because he is the acting head coach while Vlako is not there. But I still have a heavier responsibility um, and a heavier voice with the team um, when Vlako is not there. So the dynamic is, you know, G... Um, kind of runs the show a little bit more, as in coaching. But I have, I feel like I have to step in and speak a little bit more as well than I would when Vlako is not there. So between myself and G, and Vlako's guidance from the outside, I think we do a, the three of us do a good job of um, handling it and, uh, you know, just getting the job done and get communication going between uh, ourselves and the team. Cool. Okay. Uh, thanks for joining us, Vahid. I, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, appreciate you coming on and talking with us and, and you know, filling us in on all the info and being quite so uh, honest. Uh, I think that's a, a, a great pleasure for uh, the fans to be able to listen to. Yeah, no, thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you, V. Have a good game on Saturday. Thanks a lot. You yeah. guys have a good night. See you Saturday. All right. Well, the heat has dropped. Um, it, it's always refreshing to hear players be completely honest, and he's he was pretty blunt about what happened in Milwaukee and a lot of other things. That's 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 good. Uh, I think there's one thing you can never have to worry about is that the heat not being honest. He speaks his mind uh at all times, which is great. I love I love him for that. 
I yeah, I agree. Um with um with what he said about, you know, staying motivated to play some of these teams, you know, he was um that's like I said, it was that's kind of uh refreshingly honest about how that is. And you'll probably hear some fans, you know, say you shouldn't have to you know, it's your job to play, you shouldn't have to stay motivated and things like that. But I mean everybody does come to work and have their days where it's like uh, I'm just going to play this team that hacks me, you know, <laughs> no matter what your job is. Yeah, I mean, and every every job is that way, like you said. You, you run into a routine sometimes and just got to find a way to keep it fresh. Uh, I love that he was honest about it and that uh, not every team, because we see it as fans. We see it from, from press row. Not every team is up to their level. And, uh, and, you know, it, it takes a little bit to to keep in the game. Yeah, in fact, I I mean, I don't I would I don't want to put words in their mouths because they haven't said this, but you know, at times I think they kind of do cut back half speed just so it's not the blowout that it could be. You know what I mean? Oh yes, uh, and you, you've seen it in some of the games. Uh, the the last game against Tulsa is a great example. Um, I mean, the the fact that Tulsa even scored. Uh, is a testament to the fact that the Comets put on the brakes. Because um, if they would have played the way they played the first five, ten minutes, the whole game, uh, we would have talked scores in the 30, you know, 30, 40-point range. Yeah, and and not multi-point. <laughs> yes. Um, the, I guess the, the problem is when you when you do have those games where you can – play your burst of 10 minutes at the beginning and then cruise for the rest of the game, that unfortunately may lead to games like Milwaukee where they take the lead and then they have a little lapse later on that gives up four goals. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you can relax a little bit in the fourth quarter against Tulsa and still win 12 to five. Uh, Can't do that against Milwaukee. And and honestly, when playoffs come around, you definitely can't do that against Baltimore. No. (laughs) Um, and there's a few other teams too. The um, uh, he was, uh, you know, he always has good insight on things, and even if that's not the uh, the way we always see things, it's that's good to uh, hear from him. Um, yeah. Changing up a little bit. Um, what else do we need to cover about comets or indoor for uh, this call, Jeff? Uh, well, we're getting to the point, uh, 11 games into the season, we're almost ready to start, uh, believe it or not, clinching playoff spots. Um, not 100% positive, to be honest with you, of the entire playoff format. From what I understand, three teams from every division go, uh, but the Comets uh, have a, and I just lost my screen here, uh, I mean, they have a pretty sizable advantage in, in the central division. Uh, oh, yeah, here. four games over Chicago, four and a half over Milwaukee, six over Wichita, seven over St. Louis, and nine over Tulsa. Yeah, so, I mean, they could essentially eliminate Tulsa, which, uh, honestly, they've been eliminated since the beginning of the year. <laughs> um, and then if they can just keep out on this pace. Uh, we're probably looking at two games, three games maybe, before they clinch a spot. 
Yeah, it's uh, actually it does look like if they had three wins, they would clinch a spot. Yeah, um, you're always better on the math than I am. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm guesstimating a little bit, but uh, with with Tulsa being nine out, one game should eliminate them. Two games should eliminate St. Louis, especially if there's any head-to-heads involved, because St. Louis would be one of those two games. Wichita is six games behind with only nine games left for Missouri, so I'm guessing three games would eliminate them. As uh, would, 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 I wouldn't say eliminate them, would prevent them from catching the Comets, the better way to say it, thus clinching the Comets a playoff spot. Yeah. And and then you can go back to look at, uh, you know, this is the first time the Comets have been in this position, but you can look at what uh, Blocko did with FC Kansas City. Uh, once his team had a playoff spot essentially locked up, they continued to, to push it and they continued to, to go for the wins, but he experimented down the stretch, uh, different players in different positions, different lineups. So you got to wonder if that's going to be the case uh, down the stretch here or if uh, yeah, if that's a way he can keep his team motivated um, and, and what's going to happen there. Because once the playoffs start uh, and, and you got to start planning because – yeah, you could probably pretty much guess that they're gonna they're gonna face off against Baltimore uh, and possibly even Syracuse, uh, who gave them fits last year. So uh, you got to start playing ahead for that as the stretch goes down. Well, in the, with not knowing what the the format is, the three teams from the division do they face somebody else? Do they play within the division first? So you have a. a division winner before you even face another division opponent. I mean, they could conceivably have to go through Milwaukee again, and I can guarantee you if they have to go through Milwaukee again that Milwaukee will be coming out for bear. Well, I think we could pretty much guarantee that uh, the Comets will have home field uh, regardless. And whether it's a two-game series like it's been in the past or if the early rounds are one-game series, uh, the, the trophy's probably going to go through Independence Event Center. We would hope. Um, I'm, I'm well, knocking and, on wood as we speak. <laughs> Baltimore still has a lot to say about that, though. Um, I mean, they're 9-0, and and do they... Um, I'm not sure if they even have... Um, any as tough a games as what Missouri has left. I mean, don't they feed on the same teams essentially? Yeah, they do. And I haven't done a, a great analysis of their remaining schedule. Um, they, they, they're very likely to run the table as well. Uh, I think they had um, Syracuse, Milwaukee, Detroit, Rochester, Las Vegas. Uh, they do get to play San Diego. Yeah, um, I mean, they go into Milwaukee, and that'll be a tough test for them. Um, they're, they're going to uh, San Diego, uh, yeah. so that'll be a tough and, test And for Vegas, them. which Vegas, Vegas has shown some life at times also. Yeah, they're, uh, they're after that. two teams. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of teams in this league at this point. Yeah, and, um, and Baltimore's good. I fully expect uh, at the end of the year it'll be Baltimore and the Comets standing, uh, battling for the for the cup. Um, I'm just, I've never been a, a, a huge 
fan of Manzella. I think he's very vulnerable. Um, he saw it in the mini game last year. Uh, he's just set up with a very good defense and uh, he's some very good scorers. So uh, that helps him out a lot and some weak competition. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree with Manzella. He's, I've never been a huge fan of his uh, as far as his ability. He's good, but not Danny Waltman good. Um, he can have his moments, but he's not Danny Waltman good. I wouldn't even put him in the top five of this league, honestly. That would be well, – there's a lot of lot of players out there now that I don't know. So The uh, yeah, keeper from St. Louis the other day had a great game, though. He got very lucky. <laughs> uh, he was out of position on, like, two shots that had he been in the proper position, he wouldn't have been able to make the save. Um, so that helped him out. Uh, you know, some players, they, they do well because they don't know any better. And I would <laughs> say that was the case with him. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah. you know, you, you got Danny Waltman, you got uh, both keepers in Milwaukee. Uh, Jeff Ritchie and Nick Wolberg are very good. Um, you got... Uh, uh, what's his name in Monterey that used to be with Omaha? Uh, uh, can't think of his name right now. Bronte. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty solid. Um, so th- there are some good keepers out there. Uh, Denzel is, is a decent keeper. He's better than some of them we faced, and he's better than what we'll face on Saturday. But uh, I, I wouldn't put him in the elite level of this league. No, in fact, I was looking through Tulsa's lineup here, and there's really no players I even recognize at the moment. They've got the one guy uh, with a lot of names that scores goals for them, uh, Bunster Almeida. Um, Lucas Bunster Almeida. Yeah. Uh, I take it back. He's only second on the team in scoring, but uh, or in goal scoring, but he leads the team in points. He's kind yeah. of their dangerous guy, and if you if you shut him down, he's the one who sets up the play. Uh, and so, if you shut him down, they really don't have anything. Actually, you know what? I just saw a name on there I recognize. Levi Coleman. He hasn't played any games for him, but he's on their roster as on the. Uh, MASL fight. Huh. Yeah, I don't, do you remember Levi? <laughs> he was a comment for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if he signs to play this Saturday? <laughs> What's that? I said, I wonder if he just signed to play this Saturday. Um, Could be. Is that, I think he still lives here. Well I, well, I haven't seen him for a while, but he—he uh, he was playing for a USL team for a while, and um, he was with the Comets for a little bit. Went back to the USL team. He was also with the uh, PASL Kansas Magic, I believe, for a couple games. I could be wrong with that, though. Um, and I want to say he showed up somewhere else. But that's like the only game I, or that's the only name I really recognize. 
from the yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I, this Saturday should be an easy one for them, and, and it's just uh, moving on to the next one. No, I think they really got to look at um, a lot of these games as a chance for people to get um, training. You know what I mean? That's yeah. A, a chance. Game experience for, is going to be big for Josh, for uh, Kyle Williams, uh, anybody else. I haven't. Uh, haven't seen Patrick Kelly out there for a while. You know, uh, he's still on the roster. I think he's just got one game uh, experience so far. But, yeah, get these guys in, get them some time, and uh, see what they can do. All right. Well, I think that will wrap it up for tonight. Um, we will hopefully get these picked back up again now we're through the holidays and uh, both of us are over some illnesses or at least you're semi-recovered and I'm mostly getting that uh, (laughs) (laughs) all right well I appreciate having you on Jeff Um, we will like I said do this again soon hopefully after uh, the next set of games and this is uh, Thad Bell from the Blue Testament Jeff Houston, thank you very much. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Jeff.